Welcome to the T-Hut Spookcast. I'm Moby. And I'm Leland Skeleton. Skeleton. Skeletons. You're bones. Yes, I'm bones. You're just all skin and bones these days, man. Working hard, working to the bone. Yep. It's, yeah, don't worry, you'll plump up after you get all this. Holy shit, where did you find a lemon rock star? I've been looking for that for weeks. Legit. Really? I just, uh, the corner store. Okay, well, I, I know where I'm going it. after this. I'm going right there. I 25 love calories. Oh, so good. It's like my They're single good. favorite energy yeah. drink. I was going to have some coffee, but I was like, nah, I don't want to be sweaty. <laughs> well, I always like it when you sweat. Yeah, late. well. <laughs> um, Happy Halloween, listener. Happy Halloween, listener. <laughs> Uh, ooh, the vibe has really changed on this show in just two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we hated each other. I know, right? You know what? We need more love. We're we like, need more hate. We need, we need more, more love, love and hate. hate. We like barely record anymore. Like, no, we don't. When was the last? It's been like a month since we We barely hang out months. too. I mean, Marty came over and I had to introduce myself. I'm like, hi, Matt. Have Hello. we met? <laughs> and it's like... Uh, it's pleased to meet you. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of Marty, he did make it out... And did watch both of the movies that we're going to review today. Yes. With us. And he had absolutely no inclination to come back and podcast <laughs> with us. Um, listener, we are excited to discuss one of the two films being reviewed today. It's a double feature. Jeez, Leland. Do we want to end well or do we want to I end I think bad? we should start. With this shit? Because yeah. I think we're ready to rant. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think we definitely uh, should start. Uh, okay, so the first movie. And you know what? Just full spoilers, honestly. Yeah. Uh, probably for both movies. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, uh, really. Okay, so the first movie is Mandy. Uh, 2018 film premiered at uh, Sundance Film Festival in January of 2018. Uh, had its theatrical release in September 14th of this year. Directed by Panos Cosmatos, co-written by Cosmatos and Aaron stewart Ann. So this movie had a $6 million budget. And in the USA, which is really all the stat I could find, it grossed 1.17. Wow. Yeah. So, (laughs) Mandy. Mandy. Mandy, Mandy. You know what? Mandy was one of the most monumental disappointments I've seen in a while. Because I so much wanted to see Nick Cage... Just be like Vampire Kiss Nick Cage. Like, yeah. how hard is it to get wanted, him in that kind of movie? I wanted to love this movie. Yeah. I wanted to love this movie so fucking hard. And there were scenes... There was one genius scene, which we'll get to. Yeah. And only one redeeming scene. And everything else... There are even hints, and it's like, why are you underusing Nick Cage like this? Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? That's funny. Like, this film is pretty well like critically received i know like i don't but i don't understand i literally don't understand why um like even like i mean people are touting nick cage's performance and they're saying that you know the director um you know the writing and it was like almost it caters perfectly to nick cage's acting persona you know because he plays the same dude in every movie right 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 but i don't know this uh, it fell short it fell way short to me and it was indicative i saw warning signs very quickly because the movie opened very slowly and they just spent so much time of nick cage's character in mandy 
just kind of cuddling and just not really talking or <laughs> right. doing anything. Right. Like nothing happened. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you got to have a little exposition. He really loves his wife or whatever. Or a girlfriend. Were they married? Do you know? uh, I think they were just boyfriend and just girlfriend. Just boyfriend and girlfriend. So, for a listener, this movie, basically, the plot is um, Mandy gets, like, abducted and murdered. And then Nicolas Cage goes all taken on everybody's ass. Yes. That's basically it. Taken light. Taken diluted <laughs> with significant water. I don't know. I don't know, though. Yeah, there were a couple because... big kills, but... <laughs> Okay, I I really don't know where to start with this movie. Okay, well let's just let's just start let's just start at the beginning and try to go. Okay, well how about, how about we start with uh, the cinematography? Okay, because yeah, that's fine. I think that is one of the the most positive things that people are saying about this movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, just how it was shot and how you know eighties eighties style, very like, much so. Right, but like the whole movie, this whole movie is red. Yes, like literally, it's red. Yeah, and you know, and you know what I was doing when I was looking at these numbers, the the box office numbers and stuff. So I didn't catch this in the movie, but Nicolas Cage's character in that movie is named Red. Really? Yes. No way. That's yeah, awesome. His name's Red. So I guess that must be that's on purpose, right? So does that make that better? That. Well, I mean, I look. I had no problem with the film being drenched deeply in red. I think it created this kind of unnerving feeling throughout it that things were going wrong. And especially when things started to go very wrong, I thought it was good. And it was certainly unique. I mean, they really tried hard with the cinematography. It's very trippy and experimental, almost like an acid trip. Right. Not that I've ever done it, listener. Right. And the, ba- and the backbone, basically, of the plot is like this super LSD, really, because everyone's on this LSD. I mean... Um, there's a demonic biker gang that yeah. is addicted to damn near bat like basalts or like sadomasochists <laughs> like high uh, souped up on this LSD like I don't know man and they were it's like do I want to jump in on them because we'll just go off on tangents on yeah we will parts. um yeah so I mean she gets abducted. I thought some of the gang members were pretty cool. There's like one really psycho quiet guy that I liked. Um, I think he was the one that was actually stabbed by Cage's axe. I think that was the Oh, guy. yeah, yeah. He got killed cleaning the wiping that in the car. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I liked him. There was the bald guy. He didn't, was... They didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. Okay. No, he didn't. He I don't just think really he had creepy. a single line of dialogue. He's just creepy. He was just weird looking. He's just really weird. Yeah. Um, there was the bald guy that was so devoted. I think he was honestly my favorite cult member. Yeah. Um, well, he was believable as like a brainwashed cult yes, member. Yes. Totally. 100%. 100%. And it was weird. It's almost like he's the, he's the ordinary man mm. in this really fucked up movie. Yeah. Despite him partaking in these fucked up things. Like yes. the abduction and they summon the demonic biker gang with a crazy, a weird horn. <laughs> in the in the middle of the forest yeah. in the middle of the night. <laughs> that was pretty crazy. And another character I liked, I liked the woman who was part of the cult because the younger she, one or the, the younger old? the younger one because oh. she had this like slavish devotion to the cult leader, but he didn't want her. And I feel like that's almost like an archetype for cults, like mm. that they have these kind of, especially male cult leaders, they have these women that. Um, you know, are really, really devoted 
and uh, sometimes like the cult leader just like no no baby and that just causes them to more want to want be to obsessed right, exactly. with the cult I just thought it was good they put that archetype okay. in there yeah 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 so I mean I guess we're talking full spoilers yeah so Mandy gets caught yeah uh, Nick Cage also gets caught um, right so the cult summons the de- demons the biker gang to help them abduct Nick uh, Red and Mandy yeah despite there being like half a dozen cult members yes <laughs> like five of which are like able-bodied males like to like they could easily have broken in and subdued two people like they have the number they didn't want to risk themselves well hey when you can summon yes it's like final fantasy if i can summon knights of the round to fuck up shit instead <laughs> I of yes you know bring my own guys in instead of using that's a that's buster. a reference for you marty if you still listen final fantasy <laughs> yeah. knights of the round <laughs> if you still listen if. Um, um, but the funny thing with they summon the biker gang um and you know as payment they like give them one of the fat call members so yes they, so okay that eat. was pretty good that was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> sacrificing that cult member right but then you're like okay so when the, the they're introduced you're like oh are, are they like legitimately demons like holy fuck and then uh manny and red get captured the leader of the cult try uh okay so they they drug mandy with their super lsd and like stinger with this like giant black hornet i guess the, i don't know mixing the venom in the drugs or something and he tries to seduce her, right? And he fails, and he gets yeah. mad. Uh, and then he no longer thinks that she is, like, his soulmate or whatever he thought. And then they put her in a sack, hang her upside down, and light it on fire in front of Nick Cage, who is bound to this tree by barbed wire as he watches his one and only love burn to death. Yeah, it's not the best way to see a relationship end. So. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of understand him having... You know, slightly angry feelings after that. Um, now, okay, so the one scene that we do really like that happens almost immediately after, though, right? Like, uh, yeah. So he manages Nick Cage get, manages to get free of the barbed wire, which actually looked really painful. It was like yeah. he was gagged with barbed wire. It's like wrapped around his chest. It was like ugh. talking like Silent Hill Five here, my friends. Ugh. Yeah. So there's a scene, and I think he he has escaped. And he gets into a bathroom with a bottle of vodka. And it's just like camera not cutting off as far as I can remember. <laughs> Nick Cage screaming, moaning in his underwear, drinking vodka. Yeah. Covered in blood. Covered in blood. Stabbed. And it was like this, this, like I wanted to hold up my hands to the screen like an tour director. Yeah. Like this is vintage Cage. Right, exactly. Okay, S- so circa 1991. I found a, I found a wiki quote. Describing that scene, it just says, quote, After waking up from a nightmare, he consumes a bottle of vodka, tends to his wounds, and shrieks in agony, grief, and rage. End quote. <laughs> so good. It really does sum it up. Like, it really does sum it up. So yeah, that was a really... Okay, I uh, now, my... Okay, I have a bit... The one question okay. I wanted to ask you about this movie is, does Nicolas Cage, being the main actor ruin this movie because i really don't think here that nicholas cage's perf- crazy manic performances add to this movie i think this movie would have been better served with an, uh, a lesser known or a completely unknown main actor i think it would have got its 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 
you know, the points it's trying to make through its cinematography and, you know, the the little exposition that you're given, I think that they would have hit home a little harder. This movie would have played a little more seriously despite the weird, like, demon game, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't know. I just don't think that Nicolas Cage added anything to this movie. I think it really was to the movie's detriment. What I would, what I would say to that is I would say you're correct. I... I'm imagining the film without him and with this lesser-known actor. But I think what would happen... So, like, I don't think this is a great film at all. I think this is, at best, a below-average film that if it had a generic actor and unknown, I would say, okay, it's trying to be experimental. It's got the cinematography. There was an added layer of disappointment in me expecting this awesome Nick Cage performance that I did not get. So that negatively affected the film. So you're right. I think if you remove Nick Cage, it becomes a better film, but it doesn't elevate it to a good film in my okay, mind, okay. even an above average That totally film. makes sense. Okay. I, I think I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. It's like amazing, it. listener. Turning over a new leaf. Um, okay. A question for you. Was it ever explained how Nick Cage, or sir, how red, I should call him red, but it's like Nick Cage is himself in his movies. <laughs> yeah. That's honestly why I'm calling him by his actor name. Sure. Um, by the way, that's not even his real name. Listener, I don't know if you know, Nick Cage is actually Nicholas Coppola, nephew of famous director Francis Ford Coppola. However, from a young age, he did not want to take advantage of his family's fame and therefore took the pseudonym Cage. Now you I know. Like it. Um, so anyways, you know, (laughs) would you like to know more? (laughs) Um, so red has access to this forge where he makes a crazy axe. And is that ever explained? Cause I missed that. I don't honestly think that it is. I think, no, I think it's like just there. It's just there. Yeah. And like, also like he goes like to see a buddy in the middle of nowhere in the trailer to get his crossbow or whatever. Yeah. Because he, for some reason, just has his crossbow. And it's like... The and, buddy... and then knows exactly where Nick can find the demon biker gang so he can kill them to get revenge, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And, then, and the guy that gives him the crossbow says, it's yours under one condition. You use it. It's like, well, what else is he going to do with it? Yeah, that was just a weird scene. That was a whole weird yeah. scene. Um, <laughs> so weird. I mean, the, the kills were okay. Some of the kills. With the, yeah. There's like one axe kill. Yeah, it's just funny. The axe is criminally underutilized, I think. Really, yeah. Like, it was almost like, look, he made an axe. This is better than him actually killing people with an axe. Right. And you know, I, I think, like, okay, this movie, I mean, amongst all its myriad of problems, it, it, this movie has a serious pacing problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, we get, we get a... A title card like 30 minutes into the movie introducing yeah. the cult the the children of the new dawn like literally it gives you a title card children of the new dawn like really weird yeah <laughs> and then like okay so maddie dies he forges his axe he goes after the biker gang gets one of them and then he gets nick gets captured again and then yeah. he escapes fights rearms after killing the rest of the gang and then goes after the cult which are the much easier people to kill. Like, he just took on these demonic biker gang that yeah, eat people. Yeah, that's a good point. So, 
so then you get to the like I feel like the climax of the film was in the middle of it, like right. him facing off against like the actual adversary, and then at that point it just it didn't become about like you weren't concerned that Nick was wasn't going to be successful. You're like, oh okay, he's done the hard part now. Now we're just watching him, you know, for sure going to kill these fuckers, and then. It becomes, how is he going to kill them? Hmm, oh, we have a chainsaw fight. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that was, like, actually the most redeeming part of the end. A chainsaw fight is always groovy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they don't even know how chainsaws work. No, that is true. <laughs> the chainsaw literally Nick drops his chainsaw at it, sitting on the ground, like, running. Running, yes. Without anyone toggling Without, without anyone toggling it, <laughs> that all chainsaws have a toggle. Yeah. Uh, and then... I did like that guy's uber massive chainsaw. That thing that's like eight foot long. Yeah, that was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I like that kind of stuff. You know what? It's like they had some good ideas, but they just so underutilized their ideas. And like you said, pacing issues and just just too much screwing around. Well, I mean, just honestly, the writing is not very strong. Like literally, the only reason Red finds the cult is because... He, okay, after he gets captured and kills the biker gang in the house, it's full of cocaine and LSD, which he then proceeds to do. So from that point on, he's tripping balls the whole rest of the movie. Right. So that plays in, again, into more of the weirder cinematography, you know, cinematography stuff uh, that gets, like, super trippy and shit. And then the, the whole environment's being warped out and, like, I don't know, maybe he's not actually killing them. Maybe from that point it was... Him just hallucinating. Like, I don't even know. But his vision leads him to the chemist, which who makes the crazy LSD, at which point the chemist then tells Nick where he can find the cult members. Because now the cult members have moved from the house where they killed Mandy to some crazy weird church in the middle of nowhere that I don't know why they weren't there in the first place. What were they doing in the house? Because they weren't in the house. They were in the house pre-Mandy. So they were doing something there, but had this other place that is like, you know, literally their church. Like, I don't know. I don't understand it. Well, and you know what? I don't know why this sticks out to me, but the cult leader where he's killed, he's just under the church, like randomly in a semi-circular stone room with nothing in it. And I'm like, like, like nothing in it, listener. And it's like, what are you doing there? Like, this felt like a boss fight from a PlayStation 1 survival horror game like there's the final (laughs) boss hiding out in a circular polygonal room being like oh i am here do not hurt me and i mean boss fight is incredibly an incredible exaggeration oh yeah you're you're giving way too much credit (laughs) yeah totally basically this guy just begs he does yeah he does pleads and nick cage doesn't take mercy on him which is you know understandable but it's like and then That's he, it. Yeah, he crushes his skull in his hands. Yeah. Which, you know, again, is like, what? You you have an axe on your back. You know, it's just know. it's just so disappointing. You know, it, it'd be the same thing like if you made a new Fly movie and put in Jeff Goldblum and didn't do much with him or something like that. Like, you know, it, you had a good point, Leland, in that when you take an actor like this and like the trailer, you know, when you promote it in a certain way, the trailer was nuts. It was nuts. And it looks so good. And it's like, then you get this crap and you're left so disappointed. And it makes the movie worse. It makes the movie worse. If we're going to review this, 
I can tell you, listener, you're gonna get the lowest review Moby's ever given a movie oh, on yeah. the show. Yeah, this is hitting rock. I mean, this bottom. is this is this ah. movie was shit. This movie was really, really bad. So bad, like so bad, where I'm, I felt like I should have watched it again by myself and where I could pay like full hundred percent attention to it because I contemplated whether or not I we didn't give this movie its proper due, but I just could not do it. No. I couldn't do it. No. And I'll like listener from my end, I absolutely do not recommend you seeing this movie. I do recommend, just for entertainment's sake, it, it might be up there already. YouTube the Nick Cage in the bathroom scene and just watch that. Oh, I yeah. Think that's entertaining. Totally. And that's, God bless YouTube. Because <laughs> <laughs> totally. YouTube will get us that one scene. And, oh, yeah, they totally will. Um, I mean, you can watch the chainsaw fight if you want, even though it's not that great. But just, like, pick and choose these scenes. Don't watch the film. Don't. This is a film that you should not put money into or give no. views. No. Not. Because we don't want more of this bullshit to be filmed. So I agree. I agree. You want to move on a rating? Yeah, because I'd like to move on to the good movie. Okay. Uh, um, would you like to do the honors? Yeah, I'm I'm going to give it a really low rating here, but I know what I'm doing. And I'm giving it... The only reason this movie's scoring any points is for a couple moderately entertaining scenes and its experimentation. I, I'm going to give it a 3 out of 10. That is exactly where I was thinking. Yeah. 3, three out of 10. 10. It's that's funny. Theoretically, on the Leland scale, like mine should have oh, been yeah. like a one then. But I find where, like... once you dip below five, then you're just in garbage territory. Like it's pretty much the same. Exactly. I mean, if I gave it a two, I wouldn't feel bad. If right. I gave no. it, I think um, I think three is a great is a great three out of ten. Um, complete a hundred percent skippable. So very skippable. So. Very much so. Ugh. Spooktacularly terrible there. Oh. Um, but why don't you do the honors of introducing our second film, the one we like? Yes, the one we greatly enjoyed. Uh, okay, well, our second film is Halloween, the do, latest, do, 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 do. the latest uh, Halloween movie. I've coined it as a requel. A requel. Yes. Okay. I know where you're going. With right. This. Okay. So Halloween. Uh, this one premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in September of this year. Released October 19th. Very new. If you haven't seen it, go do it. Yeah. Directed uh, by David Gordon Green. Written by Green, Jeff Fradley, and Danny McBride. Funnily enough. With Jamie Lee Curtis coming back as Laurie Strode. And Nick Castle reprising his role as Michael Myers. This movie was really, really good. It was really good. It like again, I had keep you got to keep expectations low. You don't really know what's going to happen, but man, I was really blown out of the water with this one. Yeah, I really liked it. It's a very unique horror film, which we'll get into for some reasons. Um, I don't think it's going to be everybody's cup of tea. I think, I think the hardcore horror audience that's like, I want to go in there and see this hardcore, violent, rage-filled creep fest is going to be disappointed. Now there are kills. And there is blood. Yeah. And there's Michael Myers. And there's all these different things. But the film's tone was not what I was expecting. I agree with that. Uh, okay, let me just continue here. Okay. So it costs about 15, 16 mil to make this movie. And as of October 28th, when I was looking these numbers up, 
worldwide it grossed 173-ish million. Mm. Crazy. Mm. Uh, the second best ever opening weekend of October, and of course the highest uh, grossing of its franchise by quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, this is like the 10th or 11th installment, you know, within the franchise. But, I mean, we had um, Rob Zombie's reboots. He did, he rebooted Halloween and did a sequel to it. Um, This one, though, the the requel, it's not quite a reboot and not quite the sequel, The you know, as far as normal sequels go, but it picks up. Right after the original Halloween, uh, which I think came out in 1978. Uh, so 40 years later, which these characters, we see them 40 years later now. And it kind of retcons the end of uh, Halloween instead of Michael Myers um, disappearing after being uh, shot six times or whatever it is. Um, he's actually captured and has been institutionalized since. Right. But then he, he, he escapes and continues his rampage that he left unfinished 40 years ago yes yeah no that was a very good summary there leland um i mean where do we start with this one i guess the the opening scene was kind of cool so like all the lunatics are out in the yard and they have these boxes and you can't step into them and they bring out these psychologists they bring out his mask and you get no outward sign from Michael Myers that he's emotionally disturbed but then all the other uh, patients are like going nuts and more and more and so you can tell like this is having an effect on Michael that's bleeding out to the yeah to the rest of the patients to the rest of the totally. patients so you know I like I, I I liked what they were trying to go for but I thought it was like a little hammy yeah it was with all the you know it oh was. the crazies you know crazy. yeah yeah I thought that, that was a little hammy it was it was a little hammy, and um, you yeah, know I like yeah. So those two psychologists, they're like you know they're like podcasters or whatever, like true crime podcasters or something. So they're like making a podcast on Michael Myers and, and that stuff. Um, you know what I thought? Like the movie was a bit slow to get started. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, but you know it, it did have a lot of things to set up. Kind of you know we need to see where all the characters are. We need to see what kids those characters have have. You know and the relationships mm-hmm. that those kids and grandkids have with Laurie Strode in particular, obviously. Right. So uh, I can I don't know I, I I'm fine because once it got going like it just exploded right yeah like literally once. Michael escaped and started killing like he's racked up more kills than he had in the original movie. He has. And in fact, we talked. So he kills, I believe in the gas station scene, he kills equal to his kills from the first movie, which is Yeah, five. by the end of that, he's, get, he's but, hit five kills. But what we're not counting is the great tense scene where Michael escapes and a kid and his dad pull over because, you know, there's this um, bus crash where Michael right. was there. And uh, it was really creepy. You know, Michael kills the, the kid and his dad. Um, you see some other kills that he had made. So really, he's probably racked up double his kills by the time. Yeah, I think we, we were trying to count. And I think um, the total kill counts about 16 or 17, I think we hit. Mm. Um, which is, I don't know. I think that's a lot. The movie wasn't very long. No, it wasn't. Um, 
That's like but you're almost, right, like that's like a kill every fifteen minutes or so, maybe. It was like it was like a slow burn. Like I want to use an analogy from Backdraft, which is a movie I love, but I'm sure it's so old that li- millennial listener has not seen that film. But I mean, basically in Backdraft, they kind of set a very slow burning fuse, and suddenly when it ignites, it goes and everything blows up, and that's yeah. how the killer in Backdraft kills. Yeah. So it's like in this movie, once we get to that bus scene, it's like go. Yes, it it's is. Like, it 100 percent is. Like once, and, once he's out. Oh, I, I love, I love the scene where Michael starts his rampage. Holy shit! That 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 gas station, that whole gas station sequence is so. It's so cool. good. It's so, so good. cool because you're like, what, what in the you know dead guy over here, and it's like, yeah, um, what's he doing? I particularly like that. Okay, so, uh, like we spoke about the trailer when it first dropped in right. one of our episodes, and we were super hyped about it. Or at least I was. Yeah. Um. It's such a good trailer. Some things in the trailer I wish they hadn't shown, which we can get to maybe. Um, and again, full spoiler, we're going right into it. But as I like the gas station scene, so like he's escaped from, so he was getting transferred on this bus to a like higher security place or something. And then the bus crashes uh, for reasons which we can get to. And he escapes, so like he escapes and he's in his like mental ward garb, right? So you expect to see him um, in his white coat or whatever right and then like you see a brief glimpse of him like behind like in the distance like mur- just murdering somebody with his bare hands like him like yeah. slamming some guy to the ground um and then one of those psychologists that we talked about she goes to the to the restroom and someone you see this legs like under a stall right she's taking a shit and you just see someone in like blue overalls and these work boots walking you're like oh this is weird that can't be michael but then, of course, it, it's kind of cutting. You you cut to you then see like the dead bodies. You don't see him how they died or Michael killing them, but you see the dead bodies. You see a guy, you know, in a pool of blood, stripped down to his underwear. Oh, great! In the in the in the body shop. So okay, there's the overalls. And then you see um, the the guy working at the cash register in the gas station. Like he's like face down face down on the counter and like his jaw is like ripped off and right after michael like drops a fistful of teeth over the side of the stall so i don't know it was really it was shot really really coolly i thought mm-hmm. yeah very tense you know what that reminded me of this is a little bit of a dated reference to that whole scene um Reminded me of the first Mummy with Brandon Fraser, 1999. Love that movie. That's a good one. And it's like the Mummy, when he starts, he's like this this corpse. He doesn't represent Imhotep. But kill by kill, he starts to add parts to himself, yeah. eyes and stuff like that. And that's what I saw Michael. Like, oh. he doesn't have his mask. He doesn't have his clothing, that's his cool. shoes. And so throughout that scene, that's what came to mind is that he's rebuilding himself oh, through man. these kills. That is a great comparison that's really cool i like that yeah because then once he's murdered the psychologist by literally beating the one dude to death oh yeah and then choking out the girl he gets the mask that they had shown him yeah. <laughs> from the yeah. trunk of their car and, and then he's, he's back he's at full it. michael yeah he's, he's full, full michael. michael he's gone full michael <laughs> full michael yeah so that was a that was a great scene um so yeah and then from there it's like michael's walking down the street walking in random houses kills a chick picks up a knife Literally walks to the next house. 
and kills somebody else. Like it's like, what's going on? It was awesome because um, the camera doesn't really break too much during that scene. Yeah, it's it's almost they they try to make it feel like it was one continuous thing. one continuous shot in that it is Halloween. Like there's constantly kids going around, you know, trick yeah. or treat. Like it's Everyone a very full own, scene, their own world, and that's kind of shows like. It would normally be pretty cheesy how Michael can just walk into this house because he walks into one house, kills like someone, literally walks to the next house, walks in, yeah, kills someone. That's pretty funny. But because it's so busy on Halloween night, yeah, and you know, I people think, don't really notice. I think that's one kind of weird thing about the holiday of Halloween that they take advantage of is like, yeah. like you were literally Halloween, you are opening your doors to so many to strangers. Your door, like it's as if it's it's a rotating well, and that a fucking freak like that can walk down the street with a sure. knife and nobody notices because it's Halloween. Totally, totally. I think that's the that's the cool thing about this the whole franchise, really, and just the kind of motif that it's set back in that first that first Halloween. Right. Yeah, right. it's pretty cool. Well, Laurie Strode. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. What did you think? What did I think? Honestly, I thought she nailed the performance. Like she played this very hard edge paranoid character. I didn't see like her break any body language or anything the whole film. Yeah. Like she was dialed in. That's my opinion. No, I I, th- I agree with that. So this was actually not really the first time she has played that type of role within this franchise in uh, Halloween H two O. I think it was. Yeah. Um, so in like Halloween four, um, basically Laurie Strode is like killed off screen. She's apparently died in this car accident, but has this six-year-old daughter uh, in foster care. And that's who Michael is stalking, trying to kill his niece, right? So she's like killed off screen. But then, you know, three movies later in H2O, um, you know, which was at, which was 20 years after the original, um, she's actually faked her death and gone into hiding. So she's she is this paranoid you know, I have mm. I actually have the secret life, but I'm still traumatized by this shit. Of course, that character uh, has a lot more history to be traumatized by. You know, just because it's so much further into the franchise, and technically this is only based off of one movie. But I don't know. That's splitting hairs, I think. Right. So yeah, it's not. Um, I think she, yeah, she she did a good job, but I also think like she had a bit of a leg up because she's she's played this before. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen those films. Don't know about them, so I didn't know that. So yeah. um, okay. I don't think it detracts. Cool. For me, it doesn't detract um, because it is a. She is different. She's not helpless mm. because I think, like you mentioned about the tone being, you know, coming out of left field. I think even with some of the trailers that are touting her as this badass, like I never felt. Uh, I don't know. I never felt scared. Like it's, I've never felt really yeah. tense. I mean, just like basically when Michael's around somebody other than Laurie Strode, you know, they're going to die. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. certain people, uh, probably won't die. Like Laurie's granddaughter mm-hmm. certainly wasn't going to die. Um, I think her daughter could have been possibly killed. I don't know. Well, I mean, the, the daughter's uh, husband bites the dust, right? So that's, that's true. Kind of yeah, that's true. Kill. I mean, on the concept of tone, and I said this to you as we were leaving the theater, Danny McBride's fingerprints are very obvious here. I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way, but this was an incredibly funny horror film. 
And not even just like, haha, stick it in your face funny, but subtly funny. Hmm, that's in interesting because I read um, something, a little excerpt uh, that like that's not that was not their intention really they didn't they they were talking about like you know the original script maybe had like one joke on the page but but they were not going for that at all okay um maybe that was revised since you know me i don't know maybe something changed along the way and they kind of punched it up a little um they mcbrided it maybe (laughs) but i don't think that's what they were going for Interesting. And I'm maybe we're just so screwed up. When I, we watch I honestly movies. think it's uh, we're just desensitized to that kind of stuff. And like mm-hmm. when we, like we're we're watching it because we want to see the kills and to laugh at how ridiculous they are. Right? Uh, yes, we want to exactly. laugh at that the the hyper violence. So I think we'd certainly look at it from uh, a different lens. But I really don't think this movie would scare anybody. I don't think this no. movie. This movie is not scary. It's not tense. Like it's not going to scare anybody. No. No, no, I don't think so. I did not feel anything more than slight tension in a couple scenes. Yeah. The, the scene with the motion lights on the lawn, but I didn't care about the fat guy who died. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a creep. So That was a cool scene. Actually. It was a cool scene. And then the bus scene. And that's that's really about it. Um, the scene in the bathroom with the teeth would have been tense, except it was ruined in the trailer. Maybe yeah. they had to show a good scene, but it was ruined. And that was it. The, most of the kills weren't scary or tense. Um, the end was not scary. It was more of an action-filled kind of end. Right. Yeah, that's totally true. I mean, like, I think, you know, the way you build uh, a tense movie or tense scene, and you have to play it scene by scene, but specifically in the horror genre, the, the, the tenseness comes from uh, will they or won't they get away? Right. And like I said, everybody in a one-on-one situation with Michael Myers is going to die unless Lori's there with her shot, her rifle and flashlight, shutting down rooms in the house as she searches it, trying to literally hunt Michael Myers. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I mean, that was a cool dynamic. Um, the fact that, like, as soon as he gets free, he's like, it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be scared. And I know you said she was like this in another film, but still, this is supposed to be directly from the first to yeah, the second. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, no, I, I'm hunting him. And there's a there's definitely measure of fear she has, but she's oh, like, yeah, I'm yeah, going yeah. out and I'm going to hunt him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a really, really interesting vibe. It's funny because I feel like as we're talking about this, we're sounding somewhat lukewarm about the film, but it's like the sum is greater than the parts. It was so damn entertaining. Like, especially once you got to that bus scene. I was dialed in until the very end of the film Mm -hmm. through every scene. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I think there was a few missteps at the end. Yeah. I just really think it it was drawn on too long. Mm -hmm. And I suppose though it needed to um, take as long as it did so they could assemble the, you know, the, 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 the three of them. Right. The, um. The, the generations is the word I'm looking at. The, the generations, right? Um, I mean, like, I think Lori and her daughter's relationship is kind of interesting. Just, you know, again, Lori, her paranoia and the way she raised her daughter for, you know, the however many years before she was taken away from child services, just like to train, to, to be trained in firearms, to be always looking out. And, you know, they, they make a 
a trap house. <laughs> like, they do. The whole house is like trapped. The whole house is a trap, yeah. It's like Kevin from Home Alone. Like his, <laughs> his wet dream house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Sticky Bandits wouldn't have stood a, stood a chance if they, they were in this house with Lori. And uh, so that's also, though, intensely convoluted, like the whole so she's been prepping for 40 years to in case hoping she says that michael escapes yeah. so she can lure him to this house that he's never been to yes and have no idea where it is unless Lu- driven there by somebody or, or something how did he actually find the house he showed up in a cop car right i think my my read on it was that he was able to stalk the granddaughter through the forest. You kept seeing her run through the forest, and he was stalking her somehow. Oh, that 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 was definitely my read in the moment. I'm like, Michael is stalking this daughter to the house, okay. and I, I can't give you specifics, but interesting. I don't. Yeah, there's. It's kind of a. It's a little disjointed because. Um, like the granddaughter, she like ends up in like the mannequin firing range that Lori like, and so I don't really know where that is in relation to the the proper the property of the actual house, right? Uh, I don't know. It, it just there was there's a few like missteps and but well, and so okay, so here's the thing. So they trap Michael in the cellar, and it was meant to be a trap. They right. explicitly say that, but the cellar is also filled with. Where all her weapons and like food and water and stuff is. I know. So it's like it just, doesn't make any sense. It's really weird. It's like it's like it's just there to throw you off so you don't be like, oh well, why wouldn't they just trap them down there? I th- guess. But I, like I don't which, know. It doesn't make sense. What, if that shit wasn't there, I would not have seen that they had this secret lever that caused these spike bars to you know shoot across the opening of the cellar so they would trap them like i would have but, no and idea and it's like i always thought that room was a citadel to protect them from michael right like it's like a panic room. coming down and it's like no the reverse we have all our weapons down here we have all our survival things and food down here but the idea is somehow keep all the stuff down here we'll lure him down and then we'll, we'll go back away. up yeah and then we'll spike that and Burn, burn the house. All our weapons <laughs> yeah. and stuff. It just doesn't make any sense. It's to me weird. It's, it is weird. Yeah. I don't know. Like, are they like trying to like, it's all a ruse to get Michael down there? Well, I because don't know. They've then... certainly, uh, like the daughter, like ruse Michael into popping, you know, showing his face into the cellar when she's got the rifle trained. Right. Right. So she's like, she tricked him into putting himself in the line of fire by making him think that she wasn't strong enough to stand up to him. Right. Uh, I don't know. It's it, it's it's convoluted. It's weird, but somehow it works. <laughs> I don't know. I know it works. It it does mostly work. It was cool to see the house burn and Michael just like standing there looking. Yeah, creepy. But here's the thing. So they do what people do in every single movie, like with the bad guy. It's like you think the bad guy's gonna die because there's fire around him, and it's like okay, let's all go. Like I'd be pumping that mofo full of lead, even though he's down there. Yeah, yeah. I'd be emptying clips on this guy yeah. to make sure that he can't escape no matter what. Sure. And they always do this in movies. They do, but I, I, you know, there you, you there's got to be a suspension of belief, right? Right. You got it. You have to have it because, I mean, it's. I think I I liked uh, how they played. <sighs> basically michael and the firearms anytime he he was he was always encountering firearms in close quarters Mm. so it wasn't like and again until he was tricked by 
the daughter played by Judy Greer, if we didn't mention that. Um, so like, you know, Laurie kind of nicks him as he's walking away from that house where he kills those two. Right. And, um, so he doesn't, he doesn't get like pumped full of lead. Like, you know, he does get numerous times in the franchise of past, Mm. like, uh, in, in, I think two, Laurie shoots him in both his eyes and then Loomis, Loomis lights the, they're in a hospital because she's all fucked up from the first one. And Loomis likes, uh, lights a operating room on fire and blows it up <laughs> like wow. sacrificing himself. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, so it's trying to, it's weirdly trying to attain some type of realism. So it doesn't put the viewer in the position to, to be like, well, that's stupid. He just got shot half a dozen times, mm-hmm. uh, which I did like, because yeah, I did like that. you just basically avoid that conversation by not even bringing it up. Right. Here's a question. Now, I, I like it. I like it as far as trivia and realism goes that they brought back the original actor to play Michael. But I sincerely believe they could have gotten any Burley stand-in to do that role. Well, yeah. I mean, he's the guy's got a stunt double. Right. Yeah. And it's like um, you never see his face for, I guess, obvious reasons. But I'm wondering, like, could a performance that's purely physical like he did, do you do you think it would have made a big deal if someone else – did that with the mask on like i don't know i I like that they did it but it's like really i don't i don't think that it matters i agree um you think okay so i mean i'm immediately reminded of uh like jason Voorhees, right he's been played by at least four different actors some more notable than others uh like uh what's his name kane hot i think his name is he he you know when people think of jason they think of kane so some are more iconic than others, but yeah, they they can do the same thing because like it's not like it's not like they have a certain way that they move like Peter Weller as RoboCop. Yes. By yeah, the time RoboCop too. three came around, uh, it wasn't Weller because I'm sure it was a straight to DVD uh, movie, but it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not Weller who has perfected and gone through the rigors of this ridiculous suit that was barely even ready in time to shoot for the first you know all this all this history shit that isn't part of the movie but is part of the movie Mm -hmm. so i i completely agree with you that i yeah it's not like michael myers has a distinctive way of moving he's just he's just very he's just he goes he just moves he just he just walks right he's not Mm -hmm. like he doesn't have like a weird gait he doesn't have like i don't yeah i i agree i think so hmm but maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he, because it's been a it's been a long ass time since I've seen any of the original franchise. Maybe there is uh, specific characteristics. But I don't know how 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 would you think uh, think he, he would have felt so shafted? Like how do you not bring him back? Yeah. No. And I I again I think they made the right decision because you know this was supposed to be you know the new sequel the requel. Yeah, the recall. Uh, you know, and, and of course you bring Jamie Lee Curtis back. And maybe there are intangibles. Maybe when they're fighting or something we can't put our finger on. Yeah. I mean, it does like it, it does kind of enhance it knowing that it's the real guy in the way now much less, but it enhances the Mission Impossible films when I know Tom Cruise is doing the stunts. 
Even like right. when it's a car and you can't see Tom Cruise, but you know he's doing the stunt on right. the car. Right, right. It's it's, immer- it's more immersive. It's more immersive. It does Just in immersive. your brain knowing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. So yeah, no, I agree. They they made the right call. It's it, it is it's just cool. It's cool. It is cool. And is um, cool. yeah, I mean, I, I suppose uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Nick Castle could have some on screen weird chemistry. You know, mm-hmm. killer a killy. Chemistry. <laughs> that's... <laughs> um, well, do you have anything else? Anything else you wanted to say specifically? Um, I guess I would. You know, not really about the film. I guess I would say that I hope with the success it has, they don't immediately rush a sequel or do a sequel at all. Like, well, I, I have I have read that I have read that the original pitch um, by McBride and Etal was one they catered it to john carpenter himself who did have a hand in composing the music for the for this he did, movie, and it was nice. good there yeah, were some good cool. tracks so i i i've read i forget where it was i read but i swear i read that um the pitch was uh, part of it was you know they, they wrote two movies they wrote a sequel basically mm. so i don't know who knows but this is incredibly successful of course they're going to make another one this this is just revivified the franchise. Well, and they're going to make it quick because let's be honest, you know the two leads are getting up there in age. Well, this and is the thing that you know they want if they want to now make this a new horror staple franchise like it used to be, like they they they've already put the steps, they've laid the the foundation to transition it into something else, but then. So it's still going to be Michael Myers because he's like this weird undying force again. Like now you're stepping back from the realism again. Right. But uh, I don't know. There's there's always been a supernatural element to Michael Myers. There still is in this movie because like he's a 60. I suppose that this technically he's 61 because he's supposed to be 21 in the original Halloween when he's uh, released from the uh, mental institute in the first movie, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Oh, we didn't talk about uh, his his new psychiatrist. Oh yeah. Um, what did you think of that? So so his new psychiatrist, like, it, I like that it made sense that the bus crashed because the right. psychiatrist insisted that he see Michael's transfer through to the end. He's his patient. He'll take care of him, et cetera, et cetera. So he's gotten his way on. He's like just morbidly fascinated with how with, with the way Michael's brain works and and wants to know why he does what he does. Yeah, I think how you pitched it was way better than it actually came off. I felt like he was really <laughs> cheesy with his accent stuff, and like he didn't fit tonally. I, I just, I don't know about you, I just didn't like his character much. No, so. I, I agree, I agree. But I, I do, again though, I like, I like the idea of his character because like even just rolling back to when the the podcasters come and he lets them antagonize mm-hmm. Michael. With the mask, because he's he wants to see he wants to hear. Okay, his big thing is he want Michael Myers has never spoken to him. He wants to hear Michael speak. He wants to talk to him. He wants to understand him. So he's just letting them letting him being provoked in this way that I guess you know it really not ethical, right? As far as any type of you know mental health practitioner goes. Uh, so I I like how that makes sense. You know, and and you get the hindsight thing. So. I think you're right, though. The idea, uh, the execution fell short of the idea. Yeah, I don't know. He like, he even, like, kills a cop. He kills the, the cop. Yeah. Because he, yeah. you know, now he that knows how weird. it feels. Like, ah, it's weird. Yeah. 
It's weird. I mean, yeah, I like, like you said, I like the idea of this character. I just thought maybe it was the wrong actor for it. I don't know. Maybe, I maybe. Know. You know, we, when, maybe we disagree when he that. killed the cop, I'm like, oh, they're going to throw in this weird cult stuff again. Because by the time uh, Halloween 5 comes around, it's apparently Michael Myers um, has this curse of thorn, I think it's called, where he is you know every generation there's a chosen one or whatever uh, someone is chosen to slay their kin mm. which is why you know because they re- they change in in the second movie laurie is suddenly his sister etc etc all that stuff right so like weirdly they like so there's this whole cult around it and i thought i thought that's what they were doing and i was happy that they didn't but it's almost they just like homage to it so I'm wondering. I just I don't know. That softens the 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 whole therapist thing for me. I think. Hmm. Okay. Well, do you want to rate? Yeah, and I've actually got a. Let's. I want you to do your rating first on this one. I read okay. it first. Okay. I'm not going to change mine. I don't think. Okay. See, I'm thinking I want to change one. Originally, coming out of that theater, we were all real jack. We were yes. all real jack. We sat the. Like we do after seeing a movie that we really enjoy, perhaps or are controversial with each other, our opinions possibly. We just we're outside of the theater for like half an hour, just like shooting the shit, pretty pretty hyped up about it. So at the time, right out of the theater, I would have given this an eight out of ten, no problem. Hmm. But after this discussion and uh, just thinking back now and revising it, I think I'm gonna bump it down to a seven. Okay. Still really enjoyable and t- completely recommend seeing it. Um, but there were some shortcomings. I didn't really like how long the ending um, went out. Um, although I did kind of like the one part where, like, Lori gets pushed off the balcony and then Michael, like, looks because the granddaughter walks in and I'm like, oh, Lori's going to be gone. And Michael looks back on the ground and Lori's gone. Yeah, I remember you laughing. That was cool. Um, expected, but cool. Very tropey, and I like how they twisted it. Oh, you know what? Eight, eight out of ten. Fuck it. <laughs> eight Do out it. of ten. Do it, buddy. Stay, it. stay consistent because yeah. you know what? Coming in here, I was gonna rate it eight out of ten. I'm Ooh. still rating it eight out of hey, ten. Hey, wow. both movies. Oh my god, both movies. You know what? I I was thoroughly entertained. It was worth the zero dollars I spent on it because you owed me for a pizza. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well worth the zero dollars. Yeah, every, every ounce of entertainment out it of the box. It was even worth Marty calling me a fat ass for ordering a popcorn. So <laughs> <laughs> You're doing really good with your diet, Moby. <laughs> well, I, I mean, to be cheater. honest, buddy, you're off and on keto. I am now. Or <laughs> like all the time. I am. I am. I admit that. But better than nothing yeah no i have oh. reasons halloween halloween good maddie Hall- bad yes halloween good maddie bad <laughs> that's so. the tldr of this episode all right listener well we hope you enjoyed it we hope you had a great spooktacular halloween Ooh, yeah i hope uh you stay safe out there if you although i imagine most halloween night uh parties have already happened this past weekend right yeah for the most part yeah. since it's in the middle of the week um okay let's do the end of the show stuff so we uh Actually, let's. Well, may as well announce it now. We are planning on starting a Patreon mm-hmm. uh, in 2019, January. So we're working on the details on that. We're thinking over, you know, talking over rewards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I don't know. Every episode, we're probably going to remind you that it's launching. So <laughs> pretty much, yeah. So launching in January. But for the meantime, if you want to check out the show notes, check out some of our written content. 
Our website is ttpopcast.com. We're on Instagram that we rarely post to. We have a YouTube channel that I'm still behind on putting the episodes up, but I will get that done. We're on SoundCloud, Stitchers, iTunes, etc., etc. We're everywhere. Etc. I've been Leland Steele. And I've been Moby. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.